Welcome. Welcome to the weekend. Everybody up. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. I don't care what anyone says, the turkey hangover is real. The trip to fan will get you. The stuffing and the pumpkin pie will knock you down, but you've got to be resilient and get back up on that horse and make yourself a turkey sandwich and throw, throw some ice cream on that. Hi, baby, because you're listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, and 107.3 FM, and it's playoff season. The playoffs are here. Playoffs? How about the Bison rolling through the regular season, the first team in program history to go 12-0, outscoring opponents by an average margin of just under 30 points per game with the top. Literally, this ain't hyperbole. This is literal. The statistics bear it out with the top-ranked offense and the top-ranked defense in the FCS. And how about this? This rich tradition and culture and history that is North Dakota State football with legendary players. Your Brock Jensen's, your Easton Sticks, John Crockett, Carson Wentz, Darius Shepard, the Bonnets, the Erzendowskis. You could go up and down a list. We could spend an hour rolling through the great offensive players and the defensive players. Your Robbie Grimsley's, Kyle Emanuel's, Colton Heagles, Marcus Williams. Let's throw Billy Turner there on the offensive side. Joe Hegg, C.J. Smith. For the first time in Missouri Valley Football Conference history, a team has swept the marquee postseason awards. North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance, the sensation, became the first freshman ever in the Missouri Valley Football Conference to be named Offensive Player of the Year, also taking home the newcomer, of the year and freshman of the year. Now that hardware, if you ask a Bison fan or you ask Matt Ants or Trey Lance or Derek Tuska, who was named defensive player of the year in the Missouri Valley and Ants for his part, first year head coach, whoop-dee-doo, competing in a league with veteran head coaches like Johnny T. Stigemeyer, Mark Farley, and Brock Spack, the coach of the year in the Valley was Matt Ants. You ask all those guys to a man, and they'll tell you, we appreciate it. That's nice, but it really doesn't matter because we have our eyes set on a bigger award, that national championship trophy that's on the line as the playoffs kick off here with eight first-round games, and we're going to go through them all, some in more detail in others here on Herded Here with Swanee, brought to you by our fine sponsors, Altendorf, Trucking, Walton's Tire Service, Seaberg Power Sports, and Yonkey Insurance. The fact that Trey Lance 
is a conference player of the year as a freshman is impressive in and of itself. But the fact that young man is following in the footsteps of Brock Jensen and Carson Wentz and Easton Stick to go out with all sorts of expectations and pressure to be the man to follow in that quarterback lineage, he puts together a regular season where he doesn't throw a single interception, accounts for more than 30 touchdowns, leads the top-ranked scoring offense in the country, one of the top-ranked total offensive yardage teams in the country, and wins the Valley Offensive Player of the Year? That guy is special. He is something else. Watch, it'll be fun to watch Trey Lance in the playoffs. The Bison offense, and we've talked about it all year. Feel like we're banging the Led Zeppelin drum, man. But Trey Lance is something special. He is the most electric player on the football field, and he's one of the guys to watch in the playoffs. So hats off to the Bison. Then the Valley all conference team doesn't come out here for a couple days so uh, there is going to be a bevy a plethora a cornucopia of bison offensively and defensively making the all-conference teams but when you've got a team that is ranked tops in the fcs and offensive defense you're going to have a lot of guys on that list but we know this team will not lose its focus because that's not the culture here. It's playoff time in North Dakota State. Matt Ensign, the boys, they are focused on game planning and preparing, not for a a James Madison or a Montana State or a Sacramento State or a Central Arkansas or Southeast Missouri who were on their side of the bracket. Their sole focus and concern right now is getting ready for a Nickel State or North Dakota team that will come to the Fargo Dome that first Saturday in December in the second round and make darn sure that the Bison handle their business to win in the playoffs. It has been a remarkable year, and the second season starts now. It's cliche, but doggone it if it's not true. Every team is 0-0, zero and zero. and one bad day, one loss, a goofy turnover, a guy getting red hot, whatever it is, one afternoon or one evening, you can be done. The 12-0 regular season put NDSU in a position. It feels goofy because last year on these airwaves, we were talking about the bracket of doom, how NDSU got just put to the pins by the selection committee putting James Madison and South Dakota State on the same side of the bracket. Bison fans, we don't have anything to complain about. I feel feel a little bit overconfident, maybe a little bit cocky more so than usual because you look at the top side of the bracket for the Bison and there is not a single team in that bracket that if the Bison are on top of their game, that can come within 21 points of NDSU. North Dakota has played well. They got to go on the road to Nickel State, who's got locker room issues. UND is a different team on the road than they are at home. Nickel State, a Southland program school, they're all right, 
But I don't see either of them coming into the Fargo Dome, especially after NDSU has a bye week here to do their due diligence, to take a look at the tape and figure out who these guys are and to heal up. That bye week is so critical when you go through a regular season. Guys are dinged up, they're bruised, and they just need a break. Just that (gasps) breath, the press pause, and recalibrate before going into the playoffs. Chris Kleiman talked about how important that was in the day. Craig Bowl talked about how important that was in the day. And Matt Entz has been here since 2014 as a defensive coordinator, now as the head coach. He understands the protocol. This isn't new for the Bison, for their coaches, for their players. They move into the second season. They've been there before. The guys in that locker room are not phased. They know how to handle their business. Being on the biggest stage with that sort of Damocles hanging above your head, knowing that one bad day and you go home. As fans, we talk about that. I talk about that. But to the Bison, that's not how they view it. They view it as an opportunity to go out there and win another championship, to play on a big stage. Last week, after... The Bison beat Southern Illinois 21-7 in the regular season finale during the ABC. We're not talking ESPN 2 or ESPN 3 or the U. We are talking about on ABC, one of the most venerable television networks in the world, on Saturday night in primetime, had high-dev video and graphic packages touting North Dakota State's 12-0 regular season and 33-game win streak heading into the playoffs. It's a national story on the college football landscape. Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN's College Game Day. He had a bunch of fans from Group of Five conferences giving him a tough time, saying he's SEC-biased for the 8-4 and four Auburn Tigers who are playing in the Iron Bowl against Alabama, and that they shouldn't, as an Auburn, War Eagle shouldn't be rated higher than Memphis, Cincinnati, and Boise State, who come in this week at 18, 19, and 20 in the FBS polls. Herb Street said, to quote, or to paraphrase, we're not quoting here, but we're paraphrasing, you'll get the gist. He said, those three teams, a Memphis team who has one loss and is 10-1, and one, a Boise State team who's a perennial top 20 FBS team and is at 10-1, and one, and Cincinnati whose only loss is to the number one team in the FBS Ohio State earlier in the year there 10 and 1 he told some fans on Twitter that all three of those schools would lose to North Dakota State unprompted a Bison fan didn't bring them up Kirk Herbstreet unsolicited said the Bison would beat all three of those teams from a group of five competing for a New Year's Day Bowl ranked in the top 20 that the Bison would beat them the Bison live for this moment Those freshmen and sophomores, those younger guys, your Michael Tutsies, your Trey Lance, your Christian Watson, Phoenix Sproles, James Kayser, Spencer Wagey, Shoning, they're ready. They've seen the guys who have played before them go out in that playoff atmosphere before a raucous Fargo Dome and do their work and elevate their game to a whole nother level to get to Frisco, Texas. They are ready for their 
turn. And I expect they're going to come out firing. Potential quarterfinal game against Central Arkansas or Southeast Missouri State. Illinois State, the Valley got four teams in. And by the nation, we always need something to complain about and light our hair on fire and say, ah, it's just not fair. Our side of the bracket is so favorable, we've adopted as our cause the Southern Illinois Salukis, who at 7-5, and five, losing 42% of their regular season games, were left out of the playoffs. Patty Vitorito, the Missouri Valley Football Conference Commissioner, she was not having a very good day on Sunday. She was out there taking all kinds of shots at the selection committee. Patty, I've got to vehemently disagree with you on this one. They went 7-5. They went 0-4 against teams in the playoffs. And you could say that, well, four of their five losses, one was to an FBS team, and four were to teams in the playoffs. Patty, your Salukis had four opportunities to win a football game to get into the playoffs, and they didn't do it. When you lose 42.66% of your games in the regular season, do you really deserve to be a playoff team? And I've told you for weeks, along with Nolan Schmidt and Chase Miller, if you're 7-4 and four or 7-5, and five, you can't complain when you don't make the playoffs because you've given the committee a reason to keep you out. You've losing control of your own destiny. When you are on the bubble, that's what happens. You want to get in the playoffs, Salukis? Win more games. Beat NDSU. Beat South Dakota State. Beat Illinois State. Beat SEMO. They played SEMO in non-conference. They didn't do it. North Dakota, for their part, they're 7-4. and four. They're in the playoffs. They beat Montana State. I don't care if it was at the Alaris or on the moon. Montana State is a playoff team, a seeded playoff team. They're number five. They're the number five seed. They just went... I suppose they played at home in Bozeman, but in the brawl of the wild, they dismantled the Grizz, who are the number six seed in the brackets. That's a big win. Those are the wins you need. You need signature wins on your resume where if you go seven and four, you can say, yeah, we went seven and four, but we beat Montana State, who is a seeded team and in the playoffs. And that win got UND into the playoffs. The the Jacksonville State, AD, who's chair of the selection committee, said as much. And I hear you out there, Bison fans, because a lot of you have been on me on Twitter saying Southern Illinois deserve to get in. For every argument you can make why they should be in, I can say they lost 42.66% of their games in the regular season. I can say they went 0-4 against teams in the playoffs. I can tell you they only had one win against a team with a winning record. Don't give me that UMass crap. And the FBS win. UMass would have went 1-7 or 2-6 in the Missouri Valley. They went 1-11 in their FBS conference, and they lost games by an average of 40 points per game. They're not a good FBS team. They're not a good football team. And I'm glad the committee ignored that and said, doesn't matter. UMass isn't a good football team. That win doesn't matter. You just got to win more games because when you're seven and five or seven and four, you put your destiny in the hands of somebody else. And when you do that, 
You shouldn't be complaining when your team misses the playoffs. So we're left with four Valley teams. We've got what I think, and coming back from the break, Chase Miller from 740 AM. I'm so excited. I'm tripping on my words and the trip to fan on 740 AM. The fan, Chase Miller, and I will talk about some of these games, these potential particular matchups. South Dakota State and you and I in the second round with the winner going to Harrisonburg to play James Madison, in my mind, is a huge game and one I've got my eye on. And on the top half of the bracket, Illinois State is on North Dakota State's side. Their quarterback, Brady Davis, who's not that very good anyway, he's out for the rest of the year. He's not playing. I think they're going to lose to SEMO, but it's the bracket special. Enough with the Salukis. They're done. We will not, well, maybe we'll mention Southern, Southern Illinois a little bit going forward. But when we get back, we're going to talk about this playoff field and the first-round games here on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, 107.3 FM, and on 740thefan.com. Listen here, boys and country, as Swanee and the rest of the folks at the home ranch lasso up the good, bad, and mostly the ugly, the really ugly. Like a hard day and night of tailgating for 15 hours ugly of NDSU's opponents on the Thundering Herd cast. Especially the ugly with the rival, the University of North Dakota, making a potential trip to the Fargo Dome for the playoffs. The last time the Bison and the Fighting Hawks met in the playoffs, they were members of the North Central Conference in the Division Two days in 1994 and 1995. They played in the playoffs both times at Memorial Stadium up in Grand Forks with UND winning in 1994 and with the Bison winning a big one with two freshmen named Reggie Scott and Kevin Feeney in 1995 in a big game. That sets up as an intriguing second-round matchup. But first... Talking about the ugly nickel state in the NCAA, the conspiracy. Tom Burnett, commissioner of the Southland on Twitter, he's tweeting at me saying, we don't give our member schools money for bids. I don't, I don't believe it. Where'd nickel state come up with 80, 85 grand to bid on a first round playoff game? They got that kind of money just laying around Louisiana, laying down there, a little swampy to me. Is it a situation where he could say that, putting my lawyer hat on, Chase Miller, where he could say, well, we don't give schools money to the bids, but we give them each $100,000 at the beginning of the year, and they can use it however they want. And the implicit understanding is that teams will use that for a bid. It is what it is. Those are the rules. UND put about seventy-five k in, which was probably, in all likelihood, you take a list of those other schools playing in the first round, I'm speculating here, but it's probably a fair speculation to say those teams, those other seven teams outside of Nichols hosting a first-round game, they don't got 75K lying around in the budget to bid on a first-round playoff game. And on top of that, you talk about the ugly, it's a shame. The NCAA, it's disgusting. Not not to make UND's case, but Bison fans, if the shoes were on the other foot and you were going down to play in a playoff game, Nickel State doesn't have visiting team locker rooms. 
They're doing a renovation of their stadium and have been for the better part of two years, and they literally do not have locker rooms for the away team. So the away teams have to get dressed in tents, in canvas tents. I am not making that up. You are hosting a playoff game, and Chase Miller, UND, has to not only travel down to Thibodeau the week of Thanksgiving, they've got accommodations that make the local Motel 12 look pretty stellar with Nickel State's visiting locker room tents. And the question always becomes, what are the ramifications, qualifications, what should or should not be allowed in the FCS playoffs? And to go back to an earlier point, Swanee, I'm glad they see the top eight, but I think they should see the top 16 personally. And then from there, you can maybe regionalize, you know, seed nine versus seed 16 and give it more of a regional flair and still have the, you know, 400 mile bus trip type of, of flavor to it. It's ironic because San Diego is going to UNI, UND is going to Nichols. There's obviously no bus trip <laughs> involved with that matter. But the other part of the problem is if this was at half of the first round locations where the locker room wasn't just painted pink like Iowa or had a very small uh, accommodation size where literally the, your shoulder pads are hitting the next person's shoulder pads next to you because, well, that's just how much space that they give you. Okay, that's one thing. But when you're outside hosting a game, could you imagine if this game was in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and they said, well, the Alaris Center is getting renovated, so Nickel State, we're going to put tents for you outside in the tailgating lot and have heaters in there for you to go in and out of. I, I mean, people would be throwing a hissy fit right now because, well, geez, it's going to be snowing. It's going to be 20 degrees. It's not going to be warm enough. Well, on the opposite end, what if you would have had a hurricane rolling through Louisiana? What if you have a bad bayou thunderstorm that rolls through? How is that really going to look? So it's a really bad look, I think, on the NCAA. And this is a story before the game. Once the game starts, the story will be between the hash marks and what happened with turnovers, plays, all that type of stuff. But leading into uh, Swanee at three o'clock later, you know, down in Nichols, down in Thibodeau, this is a number one story barring on who's playing or who's not playing. You take a look at the weather and here's where it potentially becomes an even bigger story. When you have guys dressing in tents, it's going to be 80 degrees with 79% humidity. And you talk about player health and safety and something as simple as having an adequate place for them to get ready, they've got they've got the outdoor poop houses, like septic, uh, out, the stuff you see in the Fargo Dome. They've got trailers where if a guy has to go to the bathroom, it's 80 degrees and 80% humidity. You don't have to use your imagination. If you've been to a demolition derby in Esben, North Dakota, or anywhere, or if you've been tailgating at the Fargo Dome in early September, 80 degrees with 80% humidity and you're going to have 300-pound offensive linemen that are having to deal with Porta Johns. I would suspect that after this, the NCAA will take a look at their rules and say one of the criteria for hosting a game in the playoffs, the NCAA-FCS Division I playoffs, is that you have visiting team locker rooms. Simply put, I mean, could you imagine if St. John in Division Three had to go to a tent could you imagine if Division II Northwest Missouri State was playing, or for that matter, the Mavericks of Minnesota State, if they had to go to a tent? You know, I mean, these are just stories that you don't think – you think common sense wins out in a situation like this. And as you said, Swanee, 
it's not like it, it's been just this year. You can go back to tweets from 2017, and I believe it was Central Arkansas or someone of the beat writer of Central Arkansas kind of saying, hey, Nichols, step up your game. And also, if it's taken two years for this to get done, but they bid over $80,000 to host a game, well, shouldn't that money be going to finish the locker rooms? I mean, <laughs> I mean, congratulations, Nichols. You won the Southland. It was a crazy last couple of seconds against Southeastern Louisiana. You got the auto bid. You might got a screwed compared to Southeastern Louisiana or Central Arkansas because Central Arkansas got a seed. You can talk about all that. But if you're having $80,000 for a bid, shouldn't that $80,000, Swanee, go to the locker rooms? We had locker rooms in Maddox, North Dakota, the nine-man days. You have locker rooms in Harvey and anywhere else. We're talking North Dakota, Velva, North Dakota, the Velva. High school football teams have locker rooms for the away teams. In my mind, unacceptable. The NCAA goofed, and they got to be praying hard this Thanksgiving weekend that there's not a health or safety issue with any player because I see 300-pound guys in 80 degrees and 80% humidity before the game during warm-ups in a locker room or at halftime trying to cool down. I think that's a story. We'll see what comes out of it. Let's talk more about that game, not just because it's a, it has some local flavor with North Dakota, but the winner of the game comes to Fargo the first Saturday in December and will be playing the Bison. UND has been a bad team on the road this year, Chase. You've seen it firsthand. There are two different teams for UND. There's the one at home that ran the table and went undefeated. And then there's the team that their their only win away from the Alaris was at Cal Poly, a bad Cal Poly team on October 19th, 30 to 26. They got beat by 35 to Idaho State. They lost by 15 to Eastern Washington. NDSU beat them by 31 on the road. They played Weber State tough a few weeks ago, but UND this year hasn't looked like the same team on the road as they have the Alaris. And Nichols State, Nichols State isn't some punching bag from the Southland. They've got the AQ from that conference. There were three teams from the Southland that made the playoffs. They're 8-4 and four overall, 7-2. and two. Offensively, they're in the top third of the FCS in yardage. Their defense, though, this this is a game, Chase, taking a look at the two defenses where we could see a lot of points. We're probably looking like a 45 to 38 type of ball game. There, there should be some offensive fireworks between the Fighting Hawks and the Colonels, and UND could potentially be without one of their biggest playmakers in Wanzek, who took a shot to the arm in the regular season finale against Southern Utah. Yeah, Nichols, uh, they're led by their defensive lineman, Sully uh, Lesh is his name. Also, he was the conference player of the year. Not the defensive conference, conference player of the year in the Southland, which hasn't happened in over a decade. So he's a guy to watch for. And then a chase for Kate is their quarterback, Swanee. He's passed for over 2,700 yards, 15 touchdowns. But he has 10 interceptions. The one stat that stands out to me with Nichols is their minus six in the turnover category. So when you go pro or against they're minus six. So they're giving the ball away more than they are taking the ball back against teams this year. So that is a big stack. Can you get for Kate who has 10 interceptions? Can you get him into a spot where he throws a football and can you indeed 
pick it off? Can they get some fumbles? To me, those are going to be the big things, uh, storylines, as the game kind of you know moves along after what happens with the start. And the other thing, to your point, UND playing on the road to compare to at home, well, NDSU never lost a game at home this year. I believe Eastern Washington never lost a game at home. Uh, same thing can be said for Weber State. They never lost a game at home, and Idaho State had a better record at home than what they did on the road. So, yes, they lost on the road, and yes, to a couple teams that didn't make the playoffs, which everyone was curious, was that Idaho State lost going to keep them out or not? That can happen anytime you go on the road to at home. So can UND put all the demons away from a bad season, away from the Alaris Center, and get a win and you and I already know what the talk would be all week long. We mentioned it earlier, way back in September when these teams played. Is this a rivalry or not compared to the South Dakota State to Northern Iowa? Well, what would help make this a rivalry with the players? would be seeing them two times in a year, and then this one is for all the marbles in a brand new season. And UND would be playing with house money at that point. They've got nothing to lose. All the pressure would be on North Dakota State. It would be an interesting second-round matchup. We're going to unpack some of the other first-round matchups. Northern Iowa playing, hosting San Diego, the winner of that game, going to Brookings. And despite the fact that Jack Rabbits lost the regular season finale at South Dakota and looked like hot garbage doing it, they got a seed. They're seeded number seven. And the look on, I want to talk when we come back, Chase. I want to thank Altendorf Trucking, Weldon's Tire Service, Seaberg Power Sports, and Yankee Insurance for bringing this fine audio gold to you this weekend and week of Thanksgiving. But I want to talk about Kirk Signetti from James Madison, their head coach, who looked like someone put uh, someone kicked him in the old beanbags when he saw that he had to play a potential quarterfinal game against South Dakota State or Northern Iowa, I think JMU's side of the bracket is loaded with more landmines. It's an interesting bracket, potential matchup, so we'll talk more about it right after this. A little bit of the foo. Little known fact about old Swatty here. I love the foo fighters. Dave Grohl is incredibly talented i've got two foo fighter t-shirts sure do i gotta get to a chase miller i gotta get to a foo fighters concert that's on my list i, I love rock acdc is one of my favorite bands the foos right up there when i'm running at home on the treadmill or lifting weights i've got the foo on my iphone jamming out i gotta get to a foo fighters concert man. yeah yeah that monkey wrench ever oh yeah you know they got some they got some good tunes and wasn't it them about uh four or five years ago they went to italy and had what was it a thousand two thousand people playing one of their songs i think over in europe that that caught pretty big wind on youtube i know yeah they're they're, they're nights nice. uh, we'll get back to fcs football in a minute while i get through my foo fighters dissertation you can bring up foo fighters concerts on YouTube and through the whole smart TV stuff. There'll be Friday nights or Saturday nights. I'll pop on one of those, crack a cold one, and just watch the food jam out, man. And, and my wife, Libby, hates going to concerts with me because I've got to sing every word. I'm that guy, Chase. The, the ACDC concert, we went to, for my birthday a few years ago, Bon Jovi was at the Excel, so she got us tickets, and I'm standing just jamming Paswani style belting out the words, and she kept elbowing me like, shut up, you're you're ruining the show. But move, I'll, I digress. Let's talk more about the, the FCS playoffs. Four Missouri Valley football teams get in, three CAA teams. The, the seating was so different 
this year because South Dakota State was able to lose their regular season finale, get in at a seven seed. Montana loses the brawl of the wild. They only fall to a, a five or a, yeah a six seed in the playoffs, playing the winner of Villanova and Southeast Louisiana. But if you take a look at the bracket from last year in 2018, you've got uh, like a nine and two main team who won the CAA as your number seven seed. You have Colgate, who went 10-1 and as your 8th seed, and your 3-4 and four seeds only had one or two losses. Whereas this year, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, when you look at the seeded teams 1-8 through eight outside of North Dakota State in JMU, 3-8, through eight, there are a lot of losses. Weber's at 9-3. They're number 3. Montana's the number 5. They're at 9-3. Number 7 is South Dakota State. They're at 8-4. Sac State is the number 4 team. They're nine and three. Montana, the five seed, is nine and three. And Central Arkansas, the eight seed, is nine and three. And the reason I bring up those numbers, I think by the time we get to the quarterfinals, as many as four seeded teams could lose and not be there. I think this bracket has the potential for all kinds of chaos because on a given week, Chase, what Montana team is going to show up? The Montana team that lost to Sac State and Montana State? or the Montana team that beat Weber, what Weber team is going to show up? The Weber team that beat Sac State or dropped to Montana and had a tight one against UND. What Montana State team is going to show up? What Sac State team, who UC Davis gave all they could handle in the regular season finale, I think there is so much uncertainty. in Once you get beyond North Dakota State and JMU, I think there's a lot of uncertainty in this bracket. And that was the exact thing that happened a week ago, Swanee, was you started looking at teams going, Illinois State got pounded by Youngstown State. Gee, so the Redbirds going to have a spot, a team that desperately needed a bye week with how much injuries they have. Ironically, South Dakota State losing to USD might have been the best thing for them because if they would have won, maybe they're a four seed. Are they a five? All of a sudden, now you're on NDSU side of the bracket. Instead, you're not. Granted, you have a UNI rematch looming. Then you went to J- you got to go to JMU if you win that game. And, well, the last time you went to James Madison wasn't the greatest performance by the Jackrabbits offensively. So you look at the little pods of each section, and NDSU has to be happy with what they have potentially in the next round with Nichols or North Dakota. Both teams have playmakers that can make it a ball game, but I'm in agreement with you. NDSU would be a heavy favorite. If they host Central Arkansas, SEMO, or Illinois State, same thing. The Bison will be a heavy favorite. The one team that kind of scares me on their half of the bracket is Montana State. If Montana State plays the way that they did against Montana and they could have a bye week, rest up, get healthy, take care of the Dukes or Central Connecticut State, have a game with Sac State, a team that's first time ever making the FCS playoffs. They get a fourth seed. They can throw it all over. It's just a matter of the defense for the Hornets. Montana State's the one team on that side of the bracket, Swanee, that definitely scares me. But on the opposite side, JMU, SDSU, Montana, Weber State, perennial powers, the Bison won't see any of them until Frisco, and that's what you really like. And with all the stuff that happened at the end of the final week of the regular season, I think outside of the Bison and JMU, you can make an argument that Villanova should probably have been a seed. You can probably make a little bit of an argument that Illinois State could have been a top eight seed, Swanee. So at the end of the day, after one and two, it was really a roll of the dice uh, what seed line these teams are really going to get to. Last year, after getting five teams in the playoffs, the CAA only got three teams in JMU, Villanova, and Albany. And what I'm 
What I'm really curious as to, Chase, is is JMU, how they're going to stack up against a South. I think Northern Iowa, San Diego is a team that went to Cal Poly a few years ago and Northern Arizona on the road, won first-round playoff games, non-scally out of the Pioneer. Both years were sent to Fargo, and, and they competed well but ultimately lost by about 30 points each game. Northern Iowa should get past San Diego, should be able to beat them at home to set up probably the the uh, maybe the the marquee game of that second round SDSU playing UNI now SDSU just beat them by 31 a few weeks ago but SDSU offensively has looked pretty rough in, in losses they've lost three of their last five they looked rough against South Dakota offensively couldn't really figure things out Jabori Gibbs is apparently out we really haven't heard anything about his status but he, with a knee injury that he suffered in North Dakota State, you got to – I don't think we see him in the playoffs. Pierre Strong didn't play against South Dakota. Wilson, their other running back, didn't play. Offensively, South Dakota State looked really challenged. But how would South Dakota State or UNI stack up against James Madison, who, in fairness, James Madison outside of North Dakota State took care of business this year. They have zero FCS losses. They rolled through the CAA. What I'm curious to is how the Valley would stack up playing James Madison with UNI and South Dakota State, two teams that traditionally they're battle-tested. They've been through the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Either SDSU and UNI, they're not going to be intimidated to go into Harrisonburg and play JMU because they play North Dakota State every year. So playing a team like that, watching them on tape, that's not going to scare the Jacks. It's not going to scare the Panthers. There's not going to be that awe factor where you go on the road to JMU and you're down 7-0, 10-0 because JMU has that advantage playing at home. Man alive. I'm excited to see that matchup and to see how teams North Dakota State has played stack up against JMU. And the one thing, too, for South Dakota State, we mentioned about Illinois State needing a bye week. South Dakota State desperately needed a bye here, Swanee, and they got it. So how much healthier can they get to who their next opponent's going to be. It would either be a rematch from a month ago with you and I, and they played in Brookings, so that would really heighten things up. Or is it San Diego, which is a good football team? They almost beat UC Davis earlier this year. It always becomes, well, they're the non-scholarship team. Well, the non-scholarship team has done a pretty good job year in and year out of making it tough on opening round opponents that they go on the road and they somehow find a way to win. But if they play South Dakota State, I think SDSU would overmatch them, overpower them at the end of the day, and that would be a matchup with JMU. And the other thing here, Swanee, normally JMU gets, it always feels like a cakewalk, right? They get the NEC versus a Patriot, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to be much of a game. The one team that a lot of folks haven't talked much about this year, and rightfully so, because of the Big South and maybe Kennesaw State getting too much clout all year long of being a ranked team, but it's Monmouth. Mammoth, if they can take care of business against Holy Cross and do so looking pretty well, I think they'll give JMU a more competitive ball game than probably fans are thinking of in that second round. If Mammoth can take care of business against Holy Cross and get to that second round pretty healthy, I think JMU might have their toughest second round game that's not a you know rematch of a, a CAA team playing them in, in a while before they possibly get a date with either SDSU or UNI. Here are the details for NDSU's second-round game. Tickets are on sale right now only at gobison.com backslash tickets. Season ticket holders have until 5 p.m. Tuesday, December 3rd to purchase their same seats for the game. Unclaimed season tickets 
will go on sale to the general public beginning at 7 a.m. Wednesday, December 4th. Kickoff is set for 2.30 on Saturday, December 7th. Coming back when we wrap up, what I want to talk about, Chase, is talk about NDSU's side of the bracket a little bit more. And I might be viewing it as wrong, and you think, well, geez, you know, Montana State, Sac State, they've won some games. They've looked good. They've looked bad. You don't want to overlook anybody. But I think in recent memory, this is NDSU's most favorable potential road to Frisco. But what landmines might be lurking there in the harbor on the way to the Frisco dock when we come back on Heard It Here with Swanee? We're taking it to the bank as Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Getting you ready for another December to remember as North Dakota State enters the playoffs looking for their eighth national championship in nine years. 12-0 first Bison team, first Valley team to do that. Rock a 12-0 regular season and sweep. Hats off to Matt Entz, Missouri Valley Football Conference Coach of the Year. Trey Lance, Offensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, and freshman of the year, and Derek Tuska, the defensive player of the year. A big, big haul for NDSU, but those individual awards pale in comparison to what they're aiming for now. Chase Miller, the FCS National Championship in Frisco, Texas, on January 11th to be televised on ABC. And when you look at North Dakota State's side of the bracket, there, there's not that team where, as a Bison fan, you say, man, they, that's a landmine. They, they could give us a game. South Dakota State's been here before. They've won in the Dome. Or there's JMU or, or UNI, Central Arkansas, Montana State, and Sac State. Those teams don't move the needle for Bison fans. We saw Montana State in the playoffs last year. Troy Anderson, their all-world player, playing linebacker, playing quarterback. They're one-dimensional. They are really good at running the ball. They're not very good at passing the ball. We've seen what happens when NDSU faces a team like that. Sacramento State, don't know a lot about them. They're they're a team in the playoffs for the first time. They're at 9-3. and three. They have some impressive wins. They handle playing in the Fargo Dome for the first time. And same with Central Arkansas from the Southland Conference, a conference where North Dakota State has traditionally dominated foes from that league, namely Sam Houston State in the playoffs. And I hate to overlook it and even talk about this, but when you look at NDSU's side of the bracket, there's not that team that really jumps out and you say, man, they they could, on any given day, they could take it to the Bison. Yeah, and January 11, Tuswani, uh FCS Championship right here on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. So it'll be always a lot of fun. The crew at Westwood One does a really good job of bringing you the flavor for that for radio. But to your point, I mean, if you look at the first quadrant of games, so the second round and the quarterfinals for the Bison, Nichols beat Central Arkansas earlier this year. So you kind of go, okay, well, there's a reason why there might be a Nichols fan mad that a, a Central Arkansas got seated over the automatic qualifier from the Southland. The Bison already played North Dakota earlier this season, albeit without Nate Kenringham at quarterback. So that would add a different dimension for the Fighting Hawks to what uh, the Bison saw the first time around. And as we know, Swanee teams in September look different than teams in December. So there's some common opponents there. The Bison took care of business early on in the season down at Illinois State for the conference. 
and Illinois State's really banged up even more beat up than what the Bison saw the first time. And SEMO, they did beat Southern Illinois earlier this year, but that was to about start the season for the Red Hawks. So that first quadrant of teams, I go, if the Bison lose, it's probably because the Bison didn't bring their A game, maybe brought a B game, and then the other team took advantage of turnovers or special teams and, and took care of business. You look at the bottom half, and I kind of go Montana State, they're dangerous, but fans will go, but they lost to UND at home this year, and they lost on a block punt. Albany and Central Connecticut State don't scare me too much. Austin P. Furman, same deal. And Sacramento State, you go, that's a nine-win team. One of their wins was against a non-qualifier in Southern Oregon. They ha- Two of their losses are to Arizona State by 12, Fresno State by 14. So they were challenged this year. Then they kind of had to go through a brutal schedule of Four games in five days against Eastern Washington, Montana State, Montana, Cal Poly, and Weber State. They won all of them except Weber State. They lost at home by 19 points, and they beat UC Davis by 10 points. So there is some common opponents that you can make mention to. But again, I look at Sac State. They give up some points. Their offense can score, but they're not going to hold NDSU to 10 points in a football game. And I guess that's my biggest thing, Swanee, is as they can give up uh, score points at 36 points per game, but they give up almost 21 points per game. And as we always say, if the Bison score 20, they're going to be in every contest. Good enough to win most games. This year, I think the only two teams that put up more than 20, the only team, if I'm remembering right, that put up more than 20 on NDSU was South Dakota State. I think that was the the as far as the games go in the big picture. Delaware put up 22 Two of those touchdowns late in the game against NDSU's backups on defense. And then SDSU put up 21 points. North Dakota State is going to make 20 points stand up in any football game. And and I think that's the big thing, Chase, when you look at this. Is there a team defensively that can hold the Bison to under 20? And with as good as the Bison defense has been, teams aren't scoring points on them. So it's not a situation where you have a defense that's maybe a little weaker than the offense or vice versa. NDSU is playing really well on both sides of the ball. And when we look at this bracket, are we just destined to have a, two teams in NDSU and JMU on a collision course to Frisco in a rematch of the 2017 National Championship? Is that, when we look at this bracket, is everything else just side dressing for two teams that are going to end up playing each other there? It kind of feels like it this year, uh, especially in the FCS with how, you know, James Madison's only losses to West Virginia. I know you mentioned it earlier, Swanee, that they took care of business in the FCS. It just kind of feels like the Bison and the Dukes are are squared to face off again in Frisco, Texas, in what should be a really compelling football game. But at the end of the day, if there's a side of the bracket that has more hurdles for a top seed being one or two, it definitely is James Madison. And now for NDSU, they still got to come ready to play. You know, Trey Lance hasn't thrown an interception all year. What if he throws an interception in the first game in the second round and the Bison are down 7 nothing? These are things in once you get to postseason games that every little play gets magnified even more so because there is no tomorrow. So if NDSU ever was to have a, a bad start to a game or maybe not come out guns blazing like they have for the majority of the games, this is the question with a very young team and only 14 seniors. Trey Lance has never played in the playoff game before. So those are questions that are still yet to be unanswered, even though, Swanee, they've looked awfully tough to beat here in 2019. And you can't underestimate the importance of the bye week and the guys getting a chance to to catch their breath, to prepare for either Nichols or North Dakota. And I think the Bison will be ready. They live 
for this stage. They are ready to show the FCS that they are the best team in the country in that age don't matter. And there's not a single team in that bracket that can get in their way. And we'll have it covered for you wall to wall here on 740 AM, the fan and 790, the mighty KFG. I want to thank our sponsors, Altendorf trucking and express Weldon's tire service. Seaberg's Power Sports and Yankee Insurance. It's going to be a fun month of football as the Bison try to get back to Frisco and we got some playoff tailgating in ESPN in town. And things are going to go nuts because the Bison are on a collision course for JMU, for Chase Miller. I'm Josh Swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the Bison and the strength of the Bison is the herd. Uh...